pass. Amen. God is a good God. God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our admiration. He's worthy of our thanks and our goodness. You know, when we begin to think about who God is in our life and how God wants to touch and wants to bless our life, we get amazed at what God has in store for us. You know, we've been preaching this month, we've been talking this month about preparing for the harvest. You know, the harvest doesn't just happen. The harvest doesn't bring itself in. We're starting to see, uh, I noticed today there was a bag on the table and it's already gone. But I noticed today that there was a bag on the table that looked like it had maybe some cucumbers or some squash or something in it. And 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 I, can, can I just be honest? Helen, be quiet. Um, can all right? Can I lie to you today? No, I'm kidding. Uh, when I when I first came here, I um, y'all know I'm a city boy. Well, that made a lot of sense, didn't it? Y'all know I'm a city boy. Uh, but I'm a southern city boy. But I'm a city boy, and um, I, I grew up in a small town, but I grew up in town. And uh, I've lived in Phoenix, and I've lived in Dallas, and I've lived in Oklahoma City, and St. Louis, and Baltimore, Maryland, and Wilmington, Delaware, and and uh, Columbus, Ohio. So I've lived in some major cities. Uh, I even spent some time in the inner city in Baltimore. And, and I'm a city boy at heart. And um, when we came here, I remember the first um, uh, fall harvest in the summer, I walked in and I thought, dear Lord, who turned the church into farmer's market? City boy didn't know how to handle that. And, and, and as the years have gone by, I've become to the place that I look forward to Souls Harbor's farmer market where I can get me some tomatoes and, and, and some cucumbers and some squash and besides that, I've learned to like some of those things. Man, you give me some squash and I can make some killer food with it. But but I, 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 I've come to a place that, that I appreciate that we bring our harvest into the church. My question is, when are we going to understand that the harvest of souls is no different than the harvest of crops? We can't wait for the harvest to bring itself in, but instead, we've got to get up and we've got to go out and reap the harvest. We've got to go out and find them and bring them in. We are in a season of preparation. Sick and tired of that. I am tired of preparing. I am tired of sitting around. I'm going to quote somebody here. I'm tired of having meetings about meetings to make a meeting so, so we can go do something. We, we, that, that came up in a meeting we had this week. 
we, we, we've got we to gotta quit talking about it and we've got to start go doing it. We have to go reap the harvest. We've got to get our hands dirty. We've got to get our knees. Many times when you reap a harvest, when you reap what you've got in that garden, you have to get down on your knees. And your knees get dirty. Some of us, our knees ain't dirty enough for anything spiritually. We haven't bent our knee to anything. We haven't spent any time callousing the knees as we pray for the harvest. Our hands get dirty when you pick the vegetables, when you pick the things from the garden. Some of our hands get callous. They get cut. They get wounded. They get marked. Some of our hands spiritually are milky, white, and and fluffy soft. I got news for you. Y'all just messed me up. I'm just going to say, I got to be honest, Howard and Helen are going. Uh, that just completely shot me. I'm just telling you, you, you took the whole just boom. <laughs> we got to get our hands dirty. We got to get our hands dirty. We got to our hands need to be marked up with the dirt and the stench of the world. We're going to get some cuts. We're going to get some bruises, but we got to quit preparing and we got to start harvesting. Mm. Today, I want you to open your Bible where we've been every day, every week this month, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be, amen. Begin reading in verse number 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. It's what the word of the Lord says. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. Go on to that next one for me. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your power, for your anointing, for your peace, for your mercy, and for your grace. Lord, I pray that you would allow this message, Lord Jesus, to reach your people, to move and to, and to challenge our hearts, Lord Jesus, to walk in your goodness and in your grace. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. He, Jesus has compassion for the crowds. He looks at them and he hurts for them. He has, he feels pain. Have you ever had compassion for somebody? You, you, you know what that is. That compassion is when you feel for somebody else. Many times we express it through tears. Have you ever watched something on, on the news that was so sad that the compassion welled up in your heart maybe you cried maybe you took action 
Maybe, as this last week we celebrated the 18th anniversary of 9-11, and there was commercials running, and guys talking about how that on 9-11, they lived in New York, they saw what happened, and they went the next day and enlisted in the military because they had to protect their city and their nation. Their compassion for what they saw happen to other people moved them to action. Sometimes we, we sit and we see some great tragedy and it brings a tear to our eye. It causes us, as we did last Sunday, to receive an offering to send people and supplies into the Bahamas as storm release. Compassion moves us to action. I got news for you. You can talk about compassion all you want, but until it moves you to an action... We can talk about how we care about the loss, but until we're moved to action, until we start sharing the good news, until we start meeting their needs, until we start reaching out and loving them and caring for them, we can talk about compassion, but it's just a word. It's just another catchy phrase. But I got news for you when you begin to see the lost and you hurt for them. Let me tell you the best place that's going to come. In your family. When you see your family hurting, compassion rises up. And you say, I need to figure out how. I don't know, Pastor. How am I supposed to reach my kids? How am I supposed to reach my parents? How am I supposed to reach my nieces and my nephew and my cousins? I, I, I stand before you today and say, I don't know that I have the answer, but I know that we need to be moved with compassion. We need to start moving to do something. And as I began to think about the harvest of our families, God began to pour into my mind this idea that the only way we can reach our family is to give what's in our hand. There's an old statement, there's an old phrase out there that says if you give what's in your hand, God will give you what's in his hand. If you'll give God what you hold, God will give you what he holds. And, and, and I think if we're going to move with compassion for our families, it has to start with our ability to give to God. Oh, pastor, we're going to talk about offerings and tithe and giving. Not only, not limited to that, but I am going to tell you one thing. I am convinced that many of us say we're moved with compassion, but we don't want to fund the church that reaches with compassion. Many of us will even have the audacity to say, Pastor, it's your job to reach the lost. Well, if that's the way you feel, you better make sure you're funding my job. I got news for you. It's not my job. It's this church's job. But I'm telling you, yesterday morning, in the wee hours of the morning before the sun came up, Beth and I and Sister Sarah were going down to the state office for Sarah's first MIP class, which she had yesterday. Working toward becoming ordained minister. And I'm excited about I'm excited about being her supervising pastor and getting to pound out some gold in her life. 
I told her I got a big old hammer too. I about beat the daylights out of her yesterday. <laughs> but early in the morning yesterday, as we were driving down to the state office, all of us half awake, we began to talk. Those of you who are in the leadership meeting, we talked a lot as we were brainstorming about ways we can reach outside the wall. We, we talked about community picnics and dinners and that kind of thing and, and singings. But then we got on this idea of serving our community of reaching and, and touching lives and, and and with everything from visitation and just visiting people that need to be visited to to helping them around their house to finding needs and, and, and serving them and yesterday we began to brainstorm in the car to go beyond that and, and we come up with some really interesting ideas some some things you're going to be hearing about soon that that I think I've never heard anybody else do uh, some stuff uh we're we're I'll just let you in a little bit we're we're looking at putting together uh, uh, care bags or care baskets um, for people who lose somebody, people who who uh, uh, who has passed away. That not just our church people, that we can put these bags together, and that we either through the funeral homes or, or as a self can just go and drop them off and say, "Listen, we just want you to know we're praying." And we just we want you to have some tissues and some paper products and some 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 notebooks and some note some thank you cards that you can send out. We want to provide these things for you. And we were talking about all these great ideas to to reach out to people that are hurting and people that are trying to figure out what what do you do next. And 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 I made the statement. I said, now we want to do this, but we got to make sure we don't spend any money. We want to reach the harvest, but we don't have enough compassion to fund the harvest. If we give what's in our hand, then God can give what's in his hand. And I believe as we begin to reach out, God begins to reach in. So as I begin to think about this, my mind went to John chapter 6. Verses 5 through 15. Let me see if I can get this to work. Hey, it worked. Praise God. It says this. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can they buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Forgive me, this computer's running slow. Said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers, that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When 
The people saw him do this miraculous sign. They exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. You know, very familiar story of the feeding of the 5,000. And as I read the story, many of you are thinking, wait a minute. He said he was going to talk about reaching our family. He, he, he said he wanted to be moved with compassion so that we could reach our children and our parents and our, our, our grandparents and our nieces and nephews and cousins. Why is he talking about feeding 5,000 people? That sounds more like reaching our community. That sounds more like reaching uh, the masses around us. And yeah, we want to do that, but that's not what he said he was going to talk about today. Well, I got news for you. I'm not concerned about the 5,000 today. The feeding of the 5,000 itself for my sermon today is just the side story. Because today I want to look at something that we overlook. Matter of fact, we overlook it so much that this story is told in all four Gospels. It's the only, if I understand right, it's the only miracle of Jesus that is shared all four Gospels. It's the only one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, but, all other Gospels other than John omit what I want to talk about today. They don't even mention him. Because today I want to talk about the little boy. You see, there was a little boy one day and he was walking to school. No, I'm kidding. All the younger people know exactly where I was going with that and people that have traveled with me. But, but today I want to talk about a little boy. I want to talk about a little boy that not only provided what Jesus used to feed the multitude, but I believe provided what his family needed to survive. Now, I'm telling you today that some of us have compassion. We see our families hurting, but we never get to see their victory because we never give what we have to Jesus. We never let Jesus use what we have to bless somebody else. And we wonder why we can't get a blessing for our own family. Whew, I got to dive into this. First thing that I see is Andrew speaks up. And Andrew says, there's a young boy here. There's a young boy here, and he has five barley loaves and two fish. Now, that sounds like it's just a statement of fact. But I believe this may be the most important key to the story. John, the disciple closest to Jesus, the young man who even laid his head on the head, on the chest of Christ, the young man who later would watch be the only disciple at the foot of the cross watching Jesus be crucified, the young man who Jesus would instruct to take care of his mama, the young man who was closest to Jesus saw something that Matthew didn't catch, saw something that Peter didn't tell Mark about. 
he saw something that Luke didn't find in his research. But John remembered that it wasn't just about what they had. It was about who gave what they had. Philip. Jesus had asked Philip, what do we need to do to feed the crowd? Philip said, we could work for months. We wouldn't have enough money to feed the crowd. How are we going to reach our city? How are we going to reach our family? Oh, pastor, we could take offerings for years and couldn't afford to reach our family. But then Andrew spoke up. And Andrew said, hey, I found something. I found a little boy. Now let me tell you about this little boy. When I did a little research, the Bible scholars, I believe it was in the pulpit commentary, said that this little boy, it's not quite sure whether he had just attached himself to the crowd, but there is some belief that the little boy was not just attached to the crowd, but he had heard the disciples, and that he wasn't following the crowd, he was following the disciples. Let me tell you something. Yeah, it'll preach. And I ain't, I ain't got all day to preach it. I got news for you. There is somebody that's not following the church. They're following you. There's somebody out there. They're not following the preacher. They're following you. They have not attached themselves to Souls Harbor. They have attached themselves to Crystalline. They have not attached themselves to Souls Harbor. They have attached themselves to Ann. And they don't even want to come into church. But they just want to watch. This little boy may very well have been one that didn't follow the crowd in. He may have been there before the crowd got there. Because when the disciples went by, he said, I want to go with them. They look like they're doing something. I want to go with them. And he followed them. Let me tell you something else about this little boy. This little boy was the smartest person out of 5,000 men. He's the only one brought to lunch. Dear Lord, have mercy. You ever went anywhere and realized you didn't have your lunch? Amen. You ever went anywhere and stuck you, you out away from home and you stuck your credit card in that little thing? It probably never happens to nobody but me. And it says, declined. Uh-oh. Never forget me. I'm going to tell the stories from college, so I don't have to tell the stories from recently. But I, I remember going in one time in college, and I back then we didn't stick them in. We swiped them. And I remember swiping a credit card for a $2 hamburger at Burger King. Yeah, you used to be able to buy hamburger, like a Whopper for 2 bucks, But $2 hamburger at Burger King, and I swiped that card, and it said, Decline up like it's only $2. was upset I wasn't prepared but this little boy who said I want to follow somebody he came prepared 
But look what he came prepared with. He came prepared with five barley loaves and two fish. Now, in doing a little research this week, I found out that's important. We, we used to talk about five loaves and two fish, but it's important that it's five barley loaves because a barley loaf was the cheap bread. Mm. I know white bread may be cheaper, but I ain't using that illustration because everybody knows white bread tastes better than that old wheat junk. You know, there's one thing to have a nice peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white bread. But when you had to put peanut butter and jelly on wheat bread. Or, 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 or have you ever been there when you opened up your lunch at school and you realized that y'all must have been out of bread at home because your mama put your peanut butter and jelly on a hot dog bun? Some of y'all laughing because y'all done it. Some of you, some of you, your mama did it to you, and some of you, you did it to your kid. Put that peanut butter and jelly on that hot dog bun. It'll be fine. On a hamburger bun, on an English muffin, whatever, laying around the house. You go to pick up a piece of bread for you. You go to eat your sandwich, and you notice there's poles picked out of your sandwich. There's bread, pieces chunked off the bread. You ask mama, what happened to my sandwich? Well, there was some mold on it. I just picked it off. You'll be fine. Oh, come on. Y'all been there. Y'all been there. If you can't see the green, it don't exist anymore. All of a sudden, this young boy, he didn't show up with a fancy meal. He showed up with some cheap bread and fish paste. The Bible says when it says two fish, they would have been small fish. Very often, more like a paste. It would have been like a spread that they would put on the bread. It, it would have been something that they would place on the bread to make a, like a sandwich thing. He showed up with a poor man's lunch. You know what that tells me? When mama fixed his lunch, mama couldn't go get the steak. Mama, mama didn't have the money to go give him a lunch meat sandwich. Mama didn't have the money to have. Mama made him peanut butter and jelly on a hot dog bun. Mama gave him what was in the house. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. But this little boy brought what he had, even though it wasn't impressive, even though it wasn't powerful, even though there wasn't a lot about. Andrew says, I found a boy. And he's got five barley loaves and two fish. But then he responds to his own statement. And he says, and he says, there it is. And he says, but what good is that in this crowd? No, I'm not done with you. He says, what good is that in this crowd? Andrew says, I found an answer. Now, never mind. Somebody give me a hammer. I'm about to hammer out some gold. See, some of you have had calls from God. And God has given you mission. God has given you purpose. And you said, oh, God told me to do this. Oh, but I can't do that. 
oh, God has told me what to do, but oh, what good is that in this kind of crowd? Oh, God told me to write a book, but oh, nobody's going to read it. Come on now. I don't know who in this house is supposed to be writing a book, but you need to get to work. Let me tell you something. Sometimes, don't you hear this? Andrew found the answer, but he didn't believe the answer. Sometimes we walk in the house and we're wanting to know how we're going to reach our family, how we're going to reach outside the walls, and God has birthed the answer in our heart, but we won't share it. We won't do anything about it because we say, oh, but what good is that in this situation? What good is five barley loaves and two fish? What good is a peanut butter and jelly on a hot dog roll going to do in this crowd? I got news for you. It doesn't matter what God's given you in your heart. It doesn't matter what God's given you in your spirit. When God reveals it to you, it's all you need. If we would start walking out what God gives us, we would never have lack. You know, I I talk about my book. My my latest book is the latest of about seven book ideas I've had in the last 20 years. I'm probably, thanks to Kristen, a little further along on this one than any other ones I've ever done. And I'm still not very far along yet. I've almost got an outline. And, and, and But you know what God told me 20 years ago? God told me if I'd write a book, he'd take care of my finances. Can I tell you that in the last 20 years, I have lived paycheck to paycheck. I've even went bankrupt once in the last 20 years because I haven't walked out the obedience of what God has told me to do. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you, I heard it. Somebody just said, I'd be writing a book. But now let me spin the tables on you after I've preached about myself for a second. What has God told you to do? That you said, oh, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not capable of that. I I don't know enough for that. I'm not prepared for that. I I, I wouldn't know how to do that, God. You you felt it in your heart. You felt it burning in your spirit. But you've found excuses. You've been like Andrew saying, oh, I found the boy. I found the food. But it ain't enough. Pastor, you don't understand. You're the preacher. You're the pastor. You've got the ideas. You can write the book. I don't understand what your problem is. You need to write the book. But you... But in the same voice, you won't get off your padded pew long enough to do any kind of ministry. Told you I was going to bring a big hammer this morning. I'm tired of me, and I'm tired of us, and I'm tired of we. Saying we've got something here that the world needs, but it's not enough to reach the world. We're afraid to use it. We're afraid to walk it out. We're afraid to step out by faith and say, I've got an answer. Andrew found the little boy. He found the food. But he said, what good is that among this crowd? 
What good is the power of prayer? What good is the anointing of the Holy Ghost when my kids won't even listen to anything I say? What good is the preached word of God when my my cousins and my nieces and my nephews, they're too caught up in addiction and pain and heartache. What I have isn't enough to change their life. I got news for you. The blood of Jesus Christ is enough to change any life. Y'all should have been shouting right there. You're still trying to figure out how in the world we're supposed to get it to them. It's not your job to get it to them. Jesus goes on, and we begin to hear him talk. And, and the Bible says something interesting, and, and, and I'm going to open it up here because I, 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 I want to read this. The Bible says, see, uh, verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus speaks up. The words are in red here. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves. Let me tell you something. The reason we haven't reached our family is because when Jesus comes to take what we have, we fight him for it. I took her loaf. She looked at me like I had four heads. Not only did I take her loaf, she was reading it when I did it. She was reading ahead. She was looking at it. And I woke up and took her loaf. I like her loaf. It stays open. My loaf don't stay open. My loaf is like a hot dog bun. It keeps closing up. Anyway. He says... Make the people sit down. There was much grass, and the men sat down. The number was about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. I want you to hear that. It does not say that Jesus went and said, Can I ball that loaf? It says Jesus took the loaves. Until you're ready to let Jesus take what you have, you can't expect anybody else to be blessed with what you have. You got to start giving up what you have. Now listen to else what else, what what else happened? It says Let me find this again. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. He took the loaves, and then you know what he did with them? He took the loaves and he gave them to somebody else. It's my Bible. You better be careful with me grabbing a Bible. I, I got a habit of giving them away. <laughs> exactly. 
I never have a worn Bible because I give my I give Bibles away so much. One of these days I'm gonna start buying them by the case. I, I, I ask God if I could just buy a case of Bibles, I have to give away. And He says, No, they got to be the ones you preach out of. I said, Well, can I have a case of, buy a case of Bibles so I have the next one to preach out of? He said, Yeah, you can do that, but I haven't done it yet. If I give a Bible away, I just steal best until I give it away, and then I have to buy both of us a Bible. Let me tell you something. Jesus took the loaves, and then he gave the loaves. Don't you hear me? We're still talking about the multitude. We haven't started talking about the family yet. We haven't started talking about the harvest of our family yet. Still talking about the harvest of the multitude. If we will let God take what he has put in our heart, he will give that to the multitude. He will give that to the people that we don't know. He will give that to the people that we don't understand. He will give that to the people that we haven't met. He will give what we have to somebody else. Then the Bible says he did the same with the fish. All right, you can have my bread. I still got my fish. Finger looking good. All of a sudden, Jesus comes by and said, look, let me take your fish too. And he did the same thing. He blessed it and he gave them away. And he fed the multitude. He fed the crowd. I'm going to tell you when we quit fighting God, When we quit fighting God for what God has given us. God, no, you can't use my talent. Somebody may not think it's enough. He's going to take it. God, you can't use my anointing. God, you can't use this. You can't use that. God, I can't do that. Every time we tell God that we can't do what he has called us to do, what we're doing is we're saying, that's my loaf, and you can't have it, God. I don't know what you want to do with Sing a song around here that says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use me. If you can use anything, God, it's all yours. God, I'm not going to take whatever you want, God, and give it wherever you want. I'm not worried about it. God, you can have it. God, reach the world with the anointing you have in me. Pastor, that's great preaching. We're not going to change anything about our lives because we never do, but that's good preaching. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. But how in the world does that bring in the harvest of my family? That's where we go on to the end of the story. The Bible says, Jesus spoke up. He says, go out and gather. Go out and pick up the pieces. And they picked up 12 baskets. I got a stuttering computer. They picked up 12 baskets full of scraps left over. From five barley loaves and two fish, the disciples went out and picked up 12 baskets. You know what Matthew Henry says about them? It says that indicates that every one of the disciples had to go out and gather the scraps. 
It's another sermon I'm not here to preach today, but I got news for you. Don't step back and wait for somebody else to gather up the scraps. It's your job. Peter didn't say, oh, I'm Peter. Upon this rock, I will, you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't need to go pick up scraps. John didn't say, I'm the disciple which you love. I'm going to sit here by your side and lay my head against your chest and hear your Some of us, oh, I love that song, I want to sit at your feet. I, that's one of my favorite songs. But I got news for you. Some of us have sat at his feet so long we've become fat and lazy. It's about time we go pick up some scraps. Another sermon here that I ain't got time to preach. What'd they get? They didn't go out and pick up loaves of bread. They didn't go out and pick up fine dinners. They went and got out scraps. They picked up what everybody else threw down. They picked up what everybody else didn't want. I got news for you. We're never going to build a church trying to pick up the greatest and the best and trying to find the most talented. We got to go out there and find the scraps. We got to find the people that nobody else wants. We got to find the people that everybody else is afraid of. We got to find the I'll never forget the first church I tried to start. We were running about seven or eight. We had two of them that would come in every Sunday morning. They wanted me to preach quiet because most Sunday mornings they had a hangover. Quiet. Had another young girl came to church. She only came to church, what, three weeks? Came to church one week and got saved. Came to church next week, said I quit my job. Third week, she said I'm moving back home. Come to find out she was an 18-year-old runaway that was working as a stripper in Oklahoma City. The ones that had been out drinking had invited her to church. She came to church and got saved and quit her job and went back home to her mom and dad. I started that whole church, and we were there for six months for that one girl. I got news for you. I had scraps. The only church people I had in that church were a little strange. They had some weird ideas. I'm not even going to go into it, but they had some strange ideas. The churchiest person I had in that church ever, well, besides my wife, well, I don't, guess I wouldn't call her churchy, but, but he would sit in the second row we only had seven people, didn't have any microphones. We did worship off a cassette tape. You young people, that was a little cube that you would put in and had a reel in it, and you could hear music. It was like before CDs. And uh, luckily, we didn't have albums. We had a cassette. But we did worship off a cassette tape. Oh, yeah, I knew the counter of the different numbers. If I wanted to skip a song, I'd sing a song, and then I'd fast-forward it to the counter of the next song. Not there yet. Didn't have any microphones. This guy, my church man, he would sit there and go. <laughs> sort of like some of you. Anyway, um, kidding. I'm kidding. Sort of. No. Uh, and I had 
I'm going to be careful how I do this. I had a leader come to me and said, this church ain't going very well for you. He goes, you don't have no church people. You can't start a church without church people. I had scraps. Unfortunately, I listened to that leader and I left and went someplace else. I believe that if I'd have been faithful enough to stay with the scraps, I tell everybody that was in the same neighborhood that Craig Groeschel started his church. Relatively the same time. If I ever get the privilege to meet Craig Groeschel, uh, who, who pastors one of the largest churches in America, one of the fastest growing churches in America. Anybody has been around me very long, I've told you to read at least one of his books. I, I, I love his books. If I ever get a chance to meet him, you know what I'm going to tell him? You're welcome. And he's going to say, what for? Wait, wait. Well, I gave up on the scraps that I was trying to start, and you got to start Life Church Because that may have been my church. Maybe that's where I was supposed to be. But somebody said the scraps wasn't good enough. I got news for you, church. If we start turning down the scraps, if we start turning down the scraps, we're never going to reach anybody. He says, go out and pick up the pieces. Oh, I like that too. What happens when we go out and start picking up the pieces in people's life? We're talking about bereavement bags, care bags. Times when people's lives are broken. What happens when we go start picking, helping them pick up the pieces? We start reaching out and loving. They found 12 baskets full of scraps that were left over. Now, here's where I'm going to preach a little bit. And by preach, let me explain what that means. When my kids were growing up, every once in a while I'd preach a sermon on Sunday. And I'd go home, and my boys would say, Dad, that story you told today, was that true or were you just preaching? So I'm going to preach a little bit because I don't know if this is true or not. Because the Bible doesn't tell us. But this is what I've always heard people preach. So I'm sharing what somebody else preached. Have you ever been in a service and heard somebody preach about the disciples each carrying a basket of scraps home to this little boy's house? I've heard, I've heard preachers preach that. How that the scraps went to the little boy's house. Now, I tend to believe that's what happened. Here's why. The little boy brought a cheap lunch. He was in need. God is known for taking those people in need that are willing to give out of their need. He's known for providing their future. Now, all of a sudden, mama's in the house. She sent Junior out to go hang out with the preacher men. She gave him some peanut butter and jelly on hot dog buns because they didn't have much. And all of a sudden, little Junior comes bounding in. Hey, Mom, I brought some friends home with dinner. And she goes, we ain't got money to feed your friends dinner. He goes, oh, no, Mom, I didn't say they came home for dinner. I said they came home with dinner. And in comes Peter with a basket full. And she goes, oh, what are we going to do with all this? And Peter says, hang on. Then Andrew comes in, and then John comes in, 
And then James comes in. And then Philip comes in. And then Matthew comes in. And then Judas comes in. And then I'm running out of the names I remember. And the next one comes in. And the next, Bartholomew comes in. And, and, and that other guy. And the other one comes in. Until all 12 of them have walked into the room. And they've got baskets full. Full. Look at that. Baskets. Not a little bit. Full. They got them sitting on the kitchen table. They got them sitting on the kitchen counter. They got them sitting on top of the refrigerator box. They got them sitting on the fireplace mantle in the in the living room. They got one sitting on the dresser in the bedroom because they couldn't find enough places in that little poor house to set all the food that God had provided out. Now, the Bible doesn't follow this story. You can't prove I'm wrong, so I'm going to preach it however I want to preach it. Because I believe if God sent those 12 baskets of food home with that boy to his hungry family, if God is the one that said, look, we fed the crowd with what you have, now we're going to bless your family with the leftovers. If that's what Jesus did, I know one thing for sure, that bread never went moldy. Pastor, how can you prove that? I can't prove it in that story, but I can tell you. I can tell you about the little widow woman that was going out and gathering sticks to make one more cake to feed her son, and then they were going to starve to death and die because there was a famine in the land. And the prophet of God walks up and says, make me a cake first. He come up, and he took her last bit of meal and said, make me a cake first. And she didn't question, but instead she baked the prophet a cake and she gave it to him. And for the rest of the time of the famine the Bible said that the meal never ran out and the cruise of oil never emptied I can tell you about another little woman who come to the prophet and said they want to come and take my sons away because of the debts my, my husband had before he died. They want to bring them into slavery. And the prophet said go gather every container you can get. Go get the scraps that you can find. Go get what everybody wants to throw out. Some of you may remember back a thousand years ago, I preached a sermon about that. And I told people to bring in bottles. And I told people, bring in, bring in milk jugs and, and Tupperware containers and, and Coke bottles. And I, I set somebody up, bring me a beer can and some whiskey bottles. They went and got the trash. And then he said, go in to your room and take the jar that had an anointing of oil, had just a drop of oil, and began to pour it out. And it filled every jar that they had gathered. And then he said, go sell the oil and live on the prophet, I, on the prophets. I got, I got news for you, church. Jesus, God has a history of providing. And I believe when those 12 baskets came into that house, that house never went hungry again. I believe it never went bad. You could probably get me to believe that not only did it not go bad, it never disappeared. Go grab a scoop of bread out of the basket. How many more scoops we got? I don't know, but it's still there. Again, this ain't in the Bible. 
I, I'm gonna be. I'm making this stuff up. I don't know, but I know what God can do. What if? What if? The little boy brought back twelve baskets, and in a couple of days they realized these aren't going bad. And we've been trying to empty this one basket, and it ain't emptied yet. What are we supposed to do with these other 11 baskets? And all of a sudden, maybe it was daddy, maybe it was mama. So said, wait a minute. I've got five brothers and sisters. Junior, grab, grab these baskets and take them to your aunts and uncles. Daddy says, I say five, six. I've got... I got six brothers. And six. I got five brothers. No, I got four. We'll say four. I got five brothers, and four brothers and sisters. Take a basket to each one of them. We still got two baskets left. Well, take one to each one of your grandparents' house. What if? I don't know this happened, but what if? Little boy being willing to give what he had that Jesus used to feed a multitude provided for his family generation upon generation upon generation you want to know how to reach your family give what you got I don't understand what you're saying I I, I can't it sounds so interesting and so cool but I don't get it you want to reach your family work in the nursery See Crystalline and work in the nursery. Stand up, Crystalline. I got news for you. you Crystalline, Crystalline has a problem. She grew up around here. And too many of us look at her. She's just a little kid. She's not a little kid anymore. She's a big kid. She's still a kid, but big kid now. Crystalline works in child care. And Crystalline has agreed to take over leadership of our nursery. Amen. You know what excites me about that? It's a new generation. You know what scares me about that? Most of you are going to sit on your padded pews and not help her. You want to reach your family? Talk to Chrislin after church and get set up to start working nursery. Well, Pastor, we got kids in nursery? I don't know. I don't care. We're going to have people in that nursery because when a kid comes in, we're going to be ready. You can sit down. You want to reach your family? Work nursery. You want to reach your family? Work in the youth group. You want to reach your family? Pull out that instrument you haven't played in a thousand years because you're afraid to get in front of people and go to Amy and say, hey, I'm ready to start practicing. I think we could probably use a bass guitar. We we, we could use a, a lead guitar. We got some good rhythm guitars now, praise God. Maybe we need a good lead guitar. We, I, I think it'd be great if we had a saxophone and a trumpet and a clarinet and a, and a, a, a xylophone and a kazoo and 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 maybe may, maybe some spoons a washboard you know i, I mean I, I tell you something i don't care if you're bringing peanut butter and jelly on a hot dog roll give what you got give what you got you want to reach your family Quit watching the offering plate go by without doing anything about it. 
You want to reach your family? Start being faithful in your tithe. Oh, but that, that doesn't do anything for my family. Yes, it does. Because when you give what you got, God brings. The little boy brought his, uh, his, his lunch in a lunch bag. The disciples brought back the leftovers in baskets. Let me tell you something, church. You want to reach your family? Give the talent you have. Give the resources you have. Give the abilities you have. If nothing else, lift up your hands and worship God. That would be a step in the right direction for some of you. Spend some time in prayer. Give what you can give. Do what you can do. But if you'll give a little, God will give back a lot. If we want to reach the harvest of our family, it will never happen until we give out of the weakness of our life. And news for you. When we give, God gives back. I I listened yesterday to testimonies from our bishop. Bishop Powell and Bishop Tennyson in powerful testimonies, and I'm not going to share their testimonies. But I got news for you. I'll never forget one of the things that Bishop Powell shared. He shared about a family member who had walked away from God and, and the hurt and the pain that it led him in. But he said, oh, I got to come back and tell you that eight years later, they came back to God and they got saved. And they and, and, and they, they follow God. They they were they they were lost. And there was a season. That was in the season that, that, that he started preaching. There was a season that, that, that he didn't know what was going to happen. But this family member walked back. He said, Yeah. Yeah. Heard another testimony from from, uh, from Brother Tennyson, and he talked about a family member who he had received, and, and, and that family member was like, no, 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 no. But then, just very briefly, that family member came in. Why? Because he gave what he had. I, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be instantaneous, but if you'll give what you have, God's going to bring it back. Luke puts it this way Jesus speaking in the book of Luke he says give and it shall be given back pressed down shaken together and running over shall I always love this part and we skip over it shall men give into your bosom if you'll give what you have God will provide men to give it back if you give what you got it's going to come back the little boy gave his lunch, and 12 men carried the baskets back into his house. If we want to reach our family, we got to give God what's in our hand and let God give us what's in his hand. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your power, for your anointing, for your peace, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to give you.